This is the Edify Podcast for the servant. Are you listening? <laughs> you ever said that to your kids? Yes, this past weekend. Uh, my six-year-old Stone and his six-year-old cousin AJ, I had to ask that several times. Such it is a case with young boys. But if the preaching of God's Word, which is where our focus is today, is authoritative, and it is, if the preaching of God's Word results in hearing His voice, and it does, if the preaching of God's Word mediates His presence, and it does, and if the preaching of God's Word is critical for the spiritual growth of the believer, then how a person listens is of vital importance. Don't forget that hearing the Word of God is a command. And don't let anybody else forget that either, that it is something that one must do in order to be saved. Um, just suppose that a person had, had a pre-planned appointment with God. If, if God could be physically manifested in a body, namely Jesus, where, think about that for a moment. One that would, a meeting that would take place at a set time or a set location where they would hear his voice, where they would, they would encounter his, his physical presence. What would the time leading up to that event actually look like? Would, would they attend it without any advance thought whatsoever? Or would they ensure that they were properly prepared for that meeting? Now, we, we know it's the latter. A, a personal encounter with God is an event of immeasurable significance, okay? What many fail to realize is that they have a pre-planned appointment with God each Sunday, or let me use it in these terms, each and every. There we go. That's redundant. But but each Sunday, when they hear his voice and they encounter his presence, yet it would seem the case of many folks that, that minimal heart preparation actually takes place. And don't get me wrong, I'm in no way negative. I'm not a, I'm not a negative person. I'm not a pessimist. I'm I, in fact, to a fault, may seem f- try to find the good in every situation. Uh, I say to a fault, a lot of folks don't like that. A lot of folks don't want the positive in a, in a horrible situation. But it, but it would seem like sometimes that there are folks who do minimal heart preparation before they have this encounter. Many, many people, you know, they enter the corporate gathering having given little, little to no thought uh, to the significance of this very moment. And as a result, they fail to, to appropriate a critical means of grace. So as such, the marks of effective listening must be identified. And so for this podcast, James 1, 19 through 25 is going to be the focus as we talk about the marks of effective listening. Effective listening necessitates teachability, okay? Uh, teachability is absolutely essential for effective listening. In James 1, 19 through 20, where James writes, This you know, my beloved brethren, but everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger, for the anger of man does not, Jake Sutton, it does not achieve the righteousness of God. And so in this context, this directive governs how the believer receives and how the believer responds to the word. It is universal in nature, and it implicates everyone. So, okay, so everybody who has come before and everybody who is now and everybody who will come after me. So no one is beyond the scope of this command. It also, it calls for attentive listening. The believer must be swift to assume a listening posture. 
This is amplified by exhortation the opposite. They must be, in fact, slow to speak. And if you're not listening, then you're talking. If you're talking, if you're talking, you're, you're not listening. All of the rash responses that one could come up with are prohibited. And so a person cannot ponder what is heard and respond at the same time. In fact, to respond before a person hears something, Proverbs 18.13 says that it is folly and shame. So it necessitates temperings, tempering of one, one's emotions, uh, removing personal opinions or pride out of a situation. Jamin indicates that, that the hearer has to be slow to anger. The anger pictured here is a state of strong displeasure, and it emphasizes its very much emotional aspect. So it points to the kind of, of response that can, that can take place when a person's sin is confronted. What do they say? Judge not. Judge not, or or take the take the 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 beam out of your own eye. Whenever a person's sin is confronted and and their beliefs are contradicted, uh, or a, something some sort of pattern that they love of of behavior is brought into question, when a person isn't willing to submit, they're not willing to surrender. When they're not doing so in a humble way, uh, they'll they'll act in anger. Anger like that misses the mark of God's righteousness, and it does not produce uh, behavior that's that's pleasing to him. We should see that as elementary. So the believer must bring a teachable heart to the table of the preaching of the word. So this creates a tension. On, on the one hand, a believer must be teachable, but on the other hand, uh, they must be discerning since elsewhere the Bible, the believer is, is called to in the Bible to test everything, First Thessalonians 5, 21, uh, 1 John 4 and 1. But, but it is not as though these two are at odds with each other. They Anything in Scripture never contradicts, it always complements. So a person must be slow to anger, slow to speak, but they must be swift to listen. And, and this, isn't, this isn't the idea to the call of, of discernment uh, for the sake of suspiciousness or the sake of hard-heartedness. This is just a call to discernment, to discern, to think through. Uh, to think with, to to walk alongside. Uh, it, see, this this provides no justification for a, for a lack of teachability. Uh, that that I must listen, and I must listen, but I must I must uh, as the noble Bereans in Acts seventeen eleven. Um, we've got to be completely teachable. Uh, we've got to receive whatever is being taught with with great eagerness. The hearer is not called to assume the position of judge and jury. Instead, it requires the hearer to humbly submit to Scripture. Scripture is sovereign, not the hearer. And so, um, the, as we mentioned, the Bereans while ago, the, these Bereans who are used to, who are used to, to justify uh, a, a lack of teachability. But but on, on further inspection, the Bereans were incredibly teachable. They were more noble, more noble minded. Was the idea? This was on on the account, uh, on account of the way that they received the word. Uh, with eagerness, and so where eagerness speaks to you know goodwill and the absence of prejudice, that's the idea. They brought a teachable position or, or disposition uh, to the table. So in addition, that they showed great attentiveness. They were examining the scriptures daily, uh, daily now to see whether the things were so. That's within the same verse. So they they humbly subjected themselves to the authority of scripture carefully testing what they heard. Congregations would do so well to imitate this this example. And it's rare for hearers to diligently search the scriptures when it's when when unconvinced of what they actually hear. 
they may seek out their own preferred preacher or their 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 spend time on on a particular YouTube channel or, or speak with those who who likewise disagree and you know they may may even engage in a few emails with with members or one of the elders or the preacher but it seems rare that they will take time to carefully search the scriptures. How many people do you come up and say, well, you know, I didn't believe what you said, and so I went, and this video is what I have here. Not what have I studied and what I have gone through, what I have worked through in scripture. Let me send you this link. Let me send you this article. Uh, you notice how some folks will do that. Um, but at least they are listening. If one is to fulfill James' exhortation to be quick to hear, and slow to speak, slow to anger, they must implement the approach of those Bereans who were called noble. So with this in view, at least three practical steps should be taken. First, the hearer should aim to follow the preacher's reasoning and argumentation. All right, Jake, show me from Scripture why you believe what you believe. The hearer should seek to understand the passage as he, the preacher, does. If after hearing the sermon, the preacher's line of reasoning remains unclear. They should consider listening to it again. So aim to follow the preacher's reasoning and argumentation, number one. Number two, second, they should make every effort to understand him rightly. It does no good to disagree with something that was not said. You notice how some folks will do that. They'll say, well, they didn't mention this and this and this, and that must mean that they, you know, somewhere down the line, they, they, may pro they probably agree with that, and and people will begin to argue with things that you didn't say rather than the things you did say because they have no argument to the things that you did say. Well, you left this out, and this was here, and this was that, and, and you should have you went here, and you should have hit the gas here, and you should have hit the brakes here. And You notice how some folks will be that way. Those who have listened well will be able to articulate the essence of the sermon. Third, they should bridle their tongues following the service. This means avoiding the expression of disagreement to others. If they, the hearer, remain unconvinced, they should imitate the Bereans and search the scriptures for themselves. So in summation in this thought, following the sermon, there should be fear and trembling. If there's any chance the preacher has accurately represented God, then the hearer may in fact be disagreeing with him. That is God. Teachability and attentiveness are critical for effective listening. Not only does it uh, the effect of listening necessitate teachability, but it also necessitates preparation. Teachability and preparation, or, or attentiveness, we'll say, necessitates um, pre-sermon preparation. James goes on to write, Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all, all that remains of wickedness, and in humility receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. So the main verb here, and that's verse 21 of James 1, the main verb is the command to receive the word that has been implanted. It is a word that is often used in the sense of, re of receiving someone in a hospital, like Matthew 10, 14. It pictures a person being hospitable to the word, welcoming the word. Uh, God's word is to be welcomed into the believer's heart. It's okay for us to use that, use that kind of language. This requires a disposition of humility since that, that is the attitude in which it is to be received. But it also requires a putting aside uh, certain things, a, a verb that can be used in two ways. It, it can be used literally to describe the removal of clothing, or it can be used figuratively to describe ridding oneself of sinful practices. So this is kind of consistent with the old manner of life. 
Um, James clearly has has the figurative sense in view. Um, though the believer is a new man, what remains of the fallen nature of man uh, that we've been subjected to this futility in Romans chapter 8, this wages war from within. So it beckons him to clothe himself again with garments that are consistent with the old life. Colossians chapter 3, um, verse 8 through 14 uh, given that he he loses this battle more often than he or she would like to admit, ridding himself of these figurative garments must must take place repeatedly. Uh, it's like sometimes we get up in the morning and we get dressed in the dark and we walk out of the house and we're draped in things that we should not be draped in. Or let me use proper English, in which we should not be draped. So what does this new man need to rid himself of? Of filthiness, of wickedness. Filthiness refers to the idea of moral uncleanness. It refers to uh, every expression of defilement, moral defilement or, or, or corruption, we may say. Wickedness refers to uh, either evil in general or to the, the idea or the inclination to harm other people. So to humbly and welcome um, or, or humbly and hospitably welcome the word into one's heart all of this sort of stuff has to be put aside. It functions like earwax in the ears of the hearer, and it hinders their hearing. It creates additional static on the line between the preacher and the hearer that disrupts the signal, um, stifling clarity. Uh, this is where diligent heart preparation comes into place. This is what we're talking about here. Uh, this effective listening, this mark here, um, it necessitates um, th this sort of thing. To receive the word, the soil of the heart must first be tilled. Uh, in fact, Spurgeon, Spurgeon argued on one occasion uh, that hearing requires more preparation than preaching. And this is what he said. He said, we're told men ought not to preach without preparation, granted. But we add, men ought not to hear without preparation. Which do you think needs the most preparation, the sower or the ground? I would have the sower come with clean hands, but I would have the ground well plowed and harrowed, well turned over, and the clods broken down before the seed comes in. It seems to me that there is more preparation needed by the ground than by the sower, more by the hearer than by the preacher. I like that. Diligent heart preparation, men, calls for regular time in word and prayer. So as we preach, as we mentioned several, several weeks ago, the first heart that must be converted to the sermon is yours. Uh, but habitual experiential communion with God is essential. Personal worship, personal adoration of him, a diligent yet gracious surveying of one's life, Proverbs 4.23. Uh, we would say the regular, maybe even the daily confession of sin, 1 John 1 and verse 9. These things are critical ingredients in the daily life of a Christian. Hos hospitality to the preached word begins long before Sunday. But, however, as Sunday nears, there should be an ever-increasing anticipation, one that creates the, the impetus to, to till the soul of the heart more more intentionally. This, this calls for self-examination, the, the kind that results in putting aside all moral defilement. But it, but it also requires petitioning God to, be, to, to ready the soul, 
rather the soul for communion with him. Joel Beek, he, he writes, he says, pray that you will come to God's house as a needy sinner, purging your heart of carnal lusts, clinging to Christ for the cleansing power of his blood. Pray for the sanctifying presence of God in Christ for true communion with him in mind and soul. So soil tilling calls for deliberate personal prayer. So to this point, the focus has been primarily on the individual. And in addition, the hearers should pray for the preacher. They should pray that his preparation be fruitful. They should even pray that he would discern heart-piercing application. Philip Ryken wrote, he said, most, current, most churchgoers assume that the sermon starts when, when the preacher opens his mouth on Sunday. However, listening to a sermon actually starts the week before. It starts when they pray for the minister, asking God to bless the time he spends studying the Bible as, as he prepares to preach. <clears throat> In addition to helping the preacher our prayers create in us a sense of expectancy for the ministry of God's Word. This is one of the reasons that when, when it comes to preaching, congregations generally get what they pray for, he says in the quote. Believers should pray. They should pray for the hearts of their family, the congregation, and, and even unbelievers. Joel Beek said that, that prayer for the conversion of sinners, the edification of saints, and the glorification of God's triune name Pray pray for children, teenagers, and the elderly. Pray for listening ears and understanding hearts, end quote. Every Sunday service, that provides a wonderful opportunity to intercede on behalf of others. If the ministry of the Word is the primary means of grace, and it is, we looked at last week, and if the public proclamation of that Word exposes the believer to a uniquely potent expression of its ministry, then diligent heart preparation is critical. Though the Spirit is sovereign in sanctification, he nevertheless employs means. It is the responsibility of each believer to appropriate these means. Nothing, nothing creates a more explosive, electrifying, life-changing atmosphere than when the lightning bolts from a Spirit-empowered preacher hit the lightning rods of a Spirit-illuminated listener. You can look, read that and more at Ramey, at Expositor, Expository Listening. Great, great article, great book, great, great quote. Fellas, as you preach, help the brethren understand. Um, we're going to sh- we're gonna stop here. We're going to pick this up next week. Rather, I tell you what, we're going to do two this week. Be, be tuning in on Thursday, and we're going to close, the, close the, the gap on this last point. But I, for the sake of time, I want to go ahead and nip this in the butt. But this, the, these marks of effective listening, uh, it, it's crucial that the brethren understand that the, the command to hear is a command altogether. Um, they must be about effective listening because they need to, they need to be teachable. Uh, effective listening necess- necessitates teachability. It necessitates preparation. And so they need to be prepared. Uh, go ahead and start now. Send a churchwide email. Send um, um, out um, something on Facebook or, or maybe, make a, maybe make a phone call to, to the individual, depending on the size of your congregation, about preparing their heart for Sunday, getting them ready for Sunday. Those are the things that are needful for them on their part. You've got your work. You've got your job. You know your work's cut out for you. Sunday's coming. You know what you got to preach. You know that you have to preach unless the Lord comes back tonight, and that would be just fine. But in lieu that he doesn't, you and I have our own preparation to do. But they themselves, as they hear the Word of God, must also be prepared 
for that encounter, for that exposure. So may God bless you in your preaching, and may God bless them in their listening.